Well, this Thursday, we'll be celebrating Thanksgiving. As Christians, we have an awful lot to be thankful for. We'll explore the thankfulness that we as Christians are to have next on Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Join us. As mentioned just a moment ago, we will be celebrating Thanksgiving this coming Thursday. And today, here on Graceful Truth, and next Sunday as well, we've got a very special study for you, taken from Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And indeed, we have an awful lot to be thankful to the Lord for as Christians, not just on Thanksgiving, but every day of the year. Whether we feel like it or not, whether we understand it or not, and whether we agree with it or not, we should obey God, and in our obedience, we find the ability to be thankful to the Lord. Please join us for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Here's Pastor Steve Converse. Well, I thought today we'd talk a little bit about Thanksgiving, since obviously Thanksgiving is on this coming Thursday. One of the things that I personally like about Thanksgiving you're going to say, the food. No, well, the food is good. But one of the things I like about Thanksgiving as a holiday is that it's not as commercialized, I guess you could say, as all the other ones. You know, you got Halloween, and that's just kind of off the wall. And even for Christmas, I mean, they just kind of skip over Thanksgiving and go launch right into uh, Christmas after Halloween and all the store decorations and everything. But there's just something about Thanksgiving where you don't have all the pressure. You're not out shopping and buying people gifts and wondering if they're going to like it or not. And, you know, wondering where you're going to go and having people over and all this stuff and decorating the house. And it's just more relaxed, it seems. You know, Thanksgiving is supposed to be a holiday where we acknowledge our creator. That's what the original intent was. We need to be reminded about that. It was established by President Washington on November 26, 1789, as a national holiday. It started out as a religious holiday. And we know the story, you know, the pilgrims who came over on the Mayflower, and they got together and, and they signed the Mayflower Compact, that they called it. And the revisionists of history would have us to believe that this nation was not founded on Christian principles. I'm just going to read one sentence. If you ever get a chance, go online and read the whole thing yourself. Just type in Mayflower Compact and it'll come up. Just one quote from this compact that they put together, this agreement. It says, having undertaken for the glory of God an advancement of the Christian faith. That doesn't sound like a Christian principle. I don't know what does. You know, we forget about that, that they were here to establish and advance the Christian faith on this nation. Uh, we forget about that when we talk about the pilgrims. You know, we think about how the pilgrims got together and they had their first Thanksgiving meal with the, uh, their guests, the Indians, and I'm sure it was a little different than what we do today. You know, I don't know what you eat in your home for Thanksgiving, but usually we have turkey and maybe some ham even, mashed potatoes, yams, uh, cream corn, filling, cranberry sauce, pumpkin pie. Are you hungry? Yeah. Well, it was a little different back then, I think. So I did a little research to see what they ate. But, you know, we don't really know for sure what they ate back then, but historians kind of put together a list of stuff that they probably ate in their 1621 feast when they came together. Things like cod, eel, clams, lobster. Getting a little better. Clams and lobster. I don't know about the cod and eel. They had wild turkey. They had goose. They had duck. They probably ate crane. Swan, partridge in a pear tree, no, eagles, 
I thought that was a little unpatriotic, but you know, I guess it wasn't the national bird back then, so it's okay. Uh, venison, they also ate seal, and they probably had radishes and carrots and plums and grapes and all sorts of nuts, walnuts, and acorns. You know, when it comes to Thanksgiving dinner and you're all sitting down around the meal, you know, it's kind of you're looking at this big carved turkey there. But sometimes it's very easy during this time of the year with Thanksgiving and even Christmas to lose our perspective, to forget that we have so much to be thankful for. And as I said earlier, we're going to have a time of Thanksgiving. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be, you know, some big drawn out thing, but it's going to be a time where you have an opportunity just to tell the body what you're thankful for. And I encourage you to participate in that before we have communion together. It seems like sometimes we're having a hard time. Sometimes our health isn't what it should be. Sometimes our finances aren't what they should be, or maybe we're having family issues. And, uh, you know, it's hard during those times to give thanks. It truly is. But we should still do it. We should still do it. Someone wrote this. It's called Blessings. He wrote, if you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million who won't survive the week. If you have never experienced the danger of battle or the loneliness of imprisonment or the agony of torture or the pains of starvation, you are ahead of 20 million people around the world. If you attend a church meeting without fear of harassment or arrest or torture or death, you're more blessed than almost 3 billion people in the world. If you have food in your refrigerator, clothes on your back and a roof over your head and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of this world's population. If you have money in the bank, money in your wallet, maybe some spare change in a dish someplace, you are among the top 8% of the world's most wealthiest people. If you hold your head up with a smile on your face and you're truly thankful, you are blessed because the majority can, but it doesn't seem like the majority does. If you can read this message, you are more blessed than over 2 billion people in the world that cannot read anything at all. You are so blessed in ways that you may never even know. See, when you put it that way, we may have a little bit more to be thankful for than we realize. And by the way, just to let you know, that's why God created you and put you here on earth. He created us and he left us here on earth so that we would glorify his name, that we would give thanks to his name. You look through the pages of Scripture, and we're urged to do that over and over and over again. One place is Psalm 106, verse 1. Psalm 106, verse 1 says this, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. In Colossians 3.17, Paul writes, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And then there's Hebrews 13.15 which reads, Through Him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. You know, as I was reading that verse, I thought of this this past week. I thought, you know, I don't often think of praise. I don't often think of worship as being a sacrifice. I don't Do you? Do you get up on Sunday morning, yep, got to go sacrifice, got to go to church and praise and worship God. You know, it's going to be a big sacrifice. I don't think that way. But you know what? Praise and worship can be a sacrifice because there are times in our lives when that's the last thing we feel like doing. There are times when we don't want to praise the Lord. There are times when we don't want to worship Him. There are times when we're down, we're discouraged, maybe even depressed. Things aren't going that well in our lives. Maybe we've had hardship or some kind of tragedy befall us. And the last thing that's on our mind is to give God praise and worship. Because we don't feel like praising Him. We don't feel like worshiping. It's interesting because when I read that verse, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, 
for his steadfast love endures forever. It doesn't tell us to praise the Lord when you feel good. (laughs) You notice that? It doesn't say praise the Lord when you feel good. But it says praise the Lord because of what? Because he is good. Sometimes we get that backwards. Sometimes we forget that. So here we are in Luke 17. And this passage is going to be kind of familiar with us because we've been going through Matthew 8. And we've dealt with some of the issues that we're going to see here this morning. So I thought it was just kind of a natural progression into this passage. But we see here in in Luke 17 a story of ten men. And these ten men had a significant amount to give thanks for. They were, in the society of the day, complete outcasts because they had this scourge of leprosy upon their lives. They were lepers. And we learned a couple weeks ago how low lepers were in society. I mean, they were total outcasts. They had to go around covering their mouth saying unclean lest anyone would come six to six feet on a calm day, 150 feet on a windy day. You weren't allowed near them. So they had that stigma going for them. We talked about how they were an illustration of sin, a walking illustration of sin. And yet Jesus went out of his way here in this passage to heal them of this horrible disease of leprosy. And we're going to see that only one of these ten came back and thanked the Lord. Only one knew what it meant to give gratitude unto the Lord, to be thankful. And Jesus asked a probing question here, and I think he's still asking the same question today. So let's look at Luke chapter 17, and I just want to read this story for us, beginning in verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. There met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. That's what they had to do, remember? We, we learned that a couple weeks ago. And they lifted up their voices, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now these ten men had the worst possible disease that you could ever have during that time. They were societal outcasts. They wore certain clothing so people would would know who they are. It was a horrible disease. And we learned that the disease basically causes you to lose any sense of touch. And one thing I learned this past week, just doing a little more research on the on the disease of leprosy, is what happens with leprosy is you lose the touch in your in your fingers and your toes and your your skin. And one commentator said that sometimes it would get so bad these appendages, these fingers and toes would just fall off. But more than not, it wasn't that they would fall off. In the society of Jesus, at the time of, of Jesus' day, what would happen is at night when you were sleeping, little varmints could come and actually chew your finger off and you wouldn't even know it. Or chew your toe off. And that was probably why a lot of times they were missing certain limbs. Just they couldn't feel it at all. That's right. And so it was this horrible, horrible disease. And so you have these men here in verse 11 at various stages of leprosy. And the Bible says they cry out and they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, I don't know where they heard this, but Jesus, as we've seen, has been healing people all over the place. I mean, he had an incredible ministry of healing people here these guys knew that they knew who jesus was they probably had seen jesus heal certain people maybe even another leper maybe even the leper in matthew 8 we looked at 
and he saw them heal them with a touch or a word. Maybe they thought, hey, maybe he'll heal us. But I look at Jesus' response here, and it's rather interesting. <laughs> look at what he says in verse 14. So when Jesus saw them, it, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. That's interesting. Now we've learned that why would they go to the priest? Do you remember why they would go to the priest? If they actually got healed of their leprosy, they had to go to the priest, and the priest was the only one who could do this inspection over a period of, of seven, eight days, and they did this sacrifice and all this stuff, and the guy was, if he was truly healed, they would hand that leper, or that former leper, a certificate. And they would say, here, now here's your ticket back into society, because they weren't allowed around people. So if someone said they were healed, they had to verify it, because it was very contagious back then. But here Jesus just says, go and show yourself to the priest. He doesn't lay a hand on them. He doesn't touch them. He doesn't promise them any healing. He just says, go show yourself to the priest. That's not what I would want to hear. I wouldn't want to go to a doctor and you walk in and you're sick and the doctor just said, looks at you and says, go home. What? I came here for a purpose. I mean, can you imagine what these guys are thinking? This isn't how he handled the other guy. I mean, the other guy reached out and touched him. Why would he do that? Why would he just tell these people to go see the priest? They weren't healed yet. doesn't make any sense. But Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And I think what Jesus was doing here, and it becomes clear as we've read through the story, he was telling them, you know what? Act in faith. You act in faith on what I've told you to do. You be obedient to what I'm telling you to do. Act in faith. I don't know about you, but that's not a thing that comes easy to me, to act in faith. You know what? We have to do a lot of things in the Christian faith in faith. A lot of times we may not feel like it. I'm sure those lepers didn't feel like going to the priest. They weren't healed. But that's what Jesus told them to do. I want to ask you the question, how do we express gratitude when we don't feel thankful? How do we express gratitude when we don't feel thankful? So what I want to ask us this morning. That's the question. When we don't feel like doing something, why should we do it? I don't know about you, but when I read the passages in the Bible that tell me as a husband that I need to love my wife as Christ loved the church. It's not a reflection on my wife. I've got to be careful how I say this. <laughs> but guys, you know what I'm talking about. It's virtually impossible to do that in your own strength. I don't care how good your wife is. But God has told you to do it. First point here is we should obey God when we feel like it or not. We should obey God when we feel like it or not. God has told wives to submit and respect their husbands as unto the Lord, to love their husbands. Maybe that's a hard thing for you to do right now in your relationship. I heard a story about a, a couple. It's supposed to be a true story. I don't know if it is or not, but a couple that was just having major marital problems. Major. And the wife just, she'd had it. So she made the appointment with the lawyer. She went to the lawyer. Didn't say anything to her husband about this. And she went in to see the, uh, the, the lawyer and said, you know, I need to... I want a divorce. How do we do this? Well, it's pretty simple. You kind of fill out these forms and, you know, we'll get the process started. She goes, no, you don't understand. I, I want this to be very painful for him. She's just grown so bitter. I want to make this as painful as we can. He said, okay. <laughs> Here's an idea. What I want you to do is we just kind of put this paperwork on hold for three months. This is going to work great. You'll like this. I want you to go home and I want you to be the best wife that you can be. I want you to love your husband. I want you to show him affection. I want you to show him respect. I want you to do everything possible within your ability to be the best possible wife that you can be to your husband. And then I'll call you in three months. And then we'll hit him right between the eyes with the divorce. And he won't even see it coming. She, boy, she's just like, that is great. That is a great idea. I love the devious nature of it. And yeah, we just make him feel the pain. So she went home. Started to love up on her husband. Show him respect. Show him affection. And after three months... She gets a call from the lawyer. Hey, 
three months is up. Come on in. We'll make this guy really feel some hurt. He said, you know what? He goes, we're not getting a divorce anymore. Actually, we're going on our second honeymoon. I would never divorce my husband. See, she didn't feel at first like doing that, but she did it. And she did it even in a devious motive, with a devious motive. See, sometimes we have to do things that we don't like to do because God has told us to do them. And you say, well, I'll just do it when I feel like it. I'll just tell my wife I love her when I feel like it. Or I'll just tell my husband I'll respect you when I feel like it. Or maybe we don't feel like getting involved with fellow believers. It's going to do the Sunday thing. You know, we can't do anything more than that because I don't feel like it. See, the Bible doesn't give you that opportunity as a believer. It really doesn't. It, it basically is like the commercial. Just do it because I told you to do it. And see, that's what Jesus was doing here. He said to them, go show yourself to the priests. That was it. We should obey God whether we feel like it or not. We should also obey God no matter whether we understand it or not. <laughs> you think of many stories in the Bible where people were told to do certain things. You think of Moses with a staff and throwing it down and it becomes a snake. And all. You know, I mean, if you came up to me and told me, hey, throw your stuff, I'd be like, what? It's going to what? I don't understand that. Sometimes we have to obey God whether we understand it or not. One other point, we should obey God whether we agree with it or not whether we agree with it or not. Sometimes we read a passage in Scripture and God tells us to do something. And we don't understand why God is telling us to do it. And we may not even agree that God is telling us to do it. But He tells us to do it. And we should do what He says. And not do what He says not to do. That's the other side of that. When God says, hey, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. He has a purpose in saying that. He has a purpose in putting that in the Scripture. It's not our option as Christians to say, well, I'm sure God will understand, you know. He's just a friend or she's just a friend and it's not serious or whatever. No, God understands a lot more than that. God understands that you can, you can be attached to somebody emotionally just like that. And when they're not a believer, that's, that's something that is not honoring to God. So he says, don't even go down that road. And yet sometimes I hear, you know, single people all the time. Oh, you know, met this person, I met that person. And, you know, are they a Christian? Well, no, not yet. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? You're, you're violating a basic principle in scripture. Well, yeah, but they're not a bad person. They're, they're good. It doesn't matter. God knows your heart. Turn over to John 15, 14. John 15, 14. Jesus said here in this, I love this verse. He says, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. You are my friends, Jesus is saying, if you do whatsoever I command you. You notice he didn't say, you are my friends if you do whatsoever you agree with. <laughs> or you are my friends if you do whatsoever you understand. Or you do whatever is convenient for you, or you do whatever is comfortable for you, or easy for you. He doesn't say that. He says, you, you're my friends if you do whatever I command you to do, period. Now, we're to obey God even in the smallest matters in our lives. And just like these men filled with leprosy, they did just that. The story says that they went to the priest and they showed themselves and they were healed. They may have probably been healed on the way because they were being obedient. And this, this crosses all age barriers. It doesn't matter whether you're old here or young. When God says to honor your parents, for this is right, this is what God has told you to do, he, it doesn't leave this up to some kind of a decision for you. You honor your parents, bottom line. Well, you don't understand my parents. I don't have to. God understands your parents, and the command is simply there. Be obedient. He will bless you for that. So they went to the priest, and they showed themselves they were healed. And one of them, the Bible says, was a Samaritan, just like the other leper who was healed last couple weeks ago. And we know that Jews and Samaritans had no dealings whatsoever with each other. They just went to their own circles 
their own corners and stayed as far away as they could. But these lepers had leprosy in common, so they were kind of thrust together. As they were going to the priest, or as they arrived at the priest, they didn't have mirrors back then, so they didn't, you know, they couldn't say, hey, am I being healed yet? I don't know. But they had each other. I think that's why there was a group of them. <laughs> and so when they looked at each other and they're walking down the road to see the priest, or maybe they're knocking on the priest's door, wherever this healing took place, we're not sure. But at some point in their obedience, they were healed. They began to look at each other and say, whoa, Charlie, man, your nose is coming back. Yeah, yeah, look at my fingers. They're, they're popping back on there too. Oh, my feet, my feet feel different. Look at your face. It's not as disfigured anymore. And they were healed. But only one, only one returned to give thanks, the Bible says. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, he turned back, praising God, it says, with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. This is one of the ten lepers who obviously pled loudly for a healing earlier. Now he shouts forth his praise because he's healed. That word loud in the original, it's actually made up of two Greek words. And the two Greek words it's made up of is the word is, is the two words that make up our word megaphone. So can you imagine this leper going, Hey, I'm healed! He's not having to do this, you know, unclean, unclean. Now he's shouting forth the praises of God. But I don't know about you, but it's kind of sad. Where are these other nine guys? Only one came back to thank the Lord. How insensitive is that? How selfish is that? How like you, how like me, tend to forget to thank God. We're, we're so quick to come to the Lord when we're in times of crisis. And then he comes through for us. And I've seen this happen. Somehow the need is met or whatever. And we have the gall. Well, boy, that was luck. Got out of that one. <laughs> we never go back to thank the Lord. Reminds me of a, a story of a guy. He was, he was a roofer. He's up on a four-story house, pretty tall house, middle of the morning. Still some wet dew on the on the shingles that he was putting on. He was up there, you know, shingling away, putting these putting these uh, shingles on his hammer. And all of a sudden, he loses his footing, and he starts to slide down this rather steep roof. And he begins to realize he's trying to grab, and there's nothing to grab. He begins to realize this is not going to be good. And about halfway down the roof, he just cries out to God as he's finishing up the rest of the half. God, please save me! Don't let me die! And just as he goes off the edge of the roof, one of his belt loops catches on a nail he's hanging there pulls himself back up he dusts himself off kind of regains his composure he says never mind god <laughs> got it <laughs> hello <laughs> or maybe we're dealing with financial issues and maybe we just don't know how we're going to pay these bills that we have setting on our kitchen table and you know we're going to god god you got to come through because you know this is not good and just out of the blue a check pops in the mail rebate check you forgot you even sent in or maybe a little check from a relative for the holidays or something that kind of came too early but it was for the right amount and then all of a sudden we kind of look up the gun go ahead i've got it covered don't worry about it see we, we forget that maybe god is behind orchestrating these things and maybe we need to return and give him thanks for his involvement in our lives his care his constant care for us we should be as quick to give thanks to god as we are to ask him for help Well, it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come out and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children through grade 5. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth program, give us a call at the Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. 
650-366-9923. Or visit our website, gracefultruth.org. And now, once again, to close out our time together with a special Thanksgiving greeting, our teacher and pastor, Pastor Steve Converse. Thanks, Andy. I'd like to take a few moments just to thank our Graceful Truth listening audience as we will be completing our second year of programming this coming December here on KFAX. Graceful Truth is sponsored by and originates from the pulpit teaching ministry of Grace Bible Church located in Redbird City, where it's been my pleasure and delight to serve as their pastor teacher for the past 13 years. It's our desire to reveal the grace of God through the teaching of his word each week so that the body of Christ may be edified, may be built up and encouraged in their faith, and that the people in the Bay Area will hear and respond to the hope and life-changing message of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's hard to believe that almost a year has flown by, and uh, we find ourselves in the month of November, a month filled with thanksgiving, celebration, and I want to encourage you as listeners to let us know if this ministry has been a blessing and encouragement to you in your Christian walk. I pray that you would take the time to give us a call or send us an email or letter to share with us how this program has been a blessing in your life. We just want to thank you for listening each week, and may you and your family have a blessed and Christ-centered Thanksgiving season. Well, Steve, thank you very much. And friend, once again, thank you for spending time with us as you do these past couple of years here on Graceful Truth. And again, from all of us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City and the Graceful Truth Ministry Program, happy Thanksgiving. Until next week, God bless. (music) 